0: Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You are listening to the Seed to Seed message for February 2020. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you from Bixby, Oklahoma, where we're in February already. I do apologize that I didn't get a message out in January. It was a busy season starting off with having our grandchildren from Colorado here for a week and then getting our end of year receipts out and also doing data entry for all of last year, getting that taken care of and so many other tasks and then going to Nashville. We were invited by Aaron Stokes who I met many years ago when he was youth pastor in uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Aaron has an organization called Shop Fix Academy for independent car repair shops. And so there were about 350 there at a conference in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And Aaron invited me to come and speak. And what an amazing time we had! There was such an amazing feedback, people who were touched understand this is not a Christian organization, although Aaron of course has such a kingdom vision. and so that's what this this was all about. And there were even people there who are a professed atheist, but one of them came to Aaron and said how he had been touched through the ministry and there were so many wonderful testimonies. Well, so much so that Aaron has invited us to come back to the next one, which is at the end of April. And uh, we're excited to be going. And this is for the shop hackers, and it's a little bit a wider group. Uh, And so they're going to be at least double the amount there. And I'm so thrilled for this open door to share the gospel of the kingdom in a neutral setting like that, not in any institutional church, and just to tell about Papa and his goodness and his love and his grace. And we got to minister to people uh, in an amazing way i'll tell you one story of a lady who just ran me down in the hallway after i had shared and she said i've got to talk to you i've got to talk to you and so we sat at the back of the meeting place and she started unburdening her heart she had been sexually abused by her father and then what was even more critical to her was she had just recently found out that her 20-year-old daughter had also been sexually abused by her father uh, the the grandfather earlier in her life and it was just devastating and so we took her through forgiveness and and what a transformation just beautiful to see the power of God and the healing grace of God in a life. So we are looking forward to going back in April and ministering there. It's a new field. It's an open door. And I'm excited about it because I've had a dream for many years to minister into the business community. And Aaron has provided that opportunity. And we're so grateful to Aaron for that. Well, we're into the next message in our series on Know Who You Are. And uh, I'm going back to our passage that we've been meditating on in Luke chapter 17. That's sort of been our launch point from the beginning of last year when I was reading that and on the 1st of January, and I felt the Lord say, you have to know, you've got to know who you are. Let's read from verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offences should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. The apostle said to Jesus, increase our faith. And we won't go into that fully this time, but there is a correlation between their saying to Jesus, increase our faith, and what has just gone before, because it takes a confidence and a trust in the Father and His forgiveness to be able to extend forgiveness to those who you might feel are unworthy of forgiveness. And so Jesus then says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will you not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So, likewise, you, when you have done all things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. So, he really addresses them in two categories one as a master who has a servant, and then as servants. And what we're going to see is in this whole area of authority and living as a son and ministering as a son. In the Father's kingdom, there are the two roles that we have. We are master, but at the same time, we are servant. And so uh, we're going to develop some of that this month. And then you have the story of the ten lepers that are cleansed. And Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here, or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The message title for this month is Living from the Inside. And as we approach this whole subject of authority, I want you to understand this. It is possible for you to understand your authority and to even function in your authority as a new believer. But at the same time, not having not have the character to undergird the anointing that can flow through you because of the authority that you have to function as an emissary of the kingdom, as a representative of God's kingdom and to function in the ministry that Jesus came to perform and committed to his disciples to perform. When he called his disciples in Mark chapter three. And it's also repeated again in Luke chapter 6. He called the disciples to himself to be with him and then for him to send them out, to give them authority over demons and to give them power to heal the sick. But the first movement was toward him, to be with him. I think it's so important to understand this whole matter of the kingdom of God being established within you in order that it might be expressed through you. Yes, a baby Christian can walk in the authority of Jesus because the authority is given irrespective of who you are. It is not according to your deserving. It is not according to your character. It's not according to your spirituality or your maturity or anything. Authority is given to you. but. For that authority not to be a problem to you, it is important that your character be developed to undergird. And that's why the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. He said, don't look for it. If somebody says, look, look here is the kingdom and there is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. This is such an important message for our day. Because... A lot of people feeling a deficit within because they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand their position of being righteous before God as a free gift because they don't understand that. They always are living with a sense of lack within them, and they're always looking for something external to add to themselves, to feel equipped, to feel qualified, to feel like now I can be launched into to my ministry. On the other hand, there are others who are so intent on ministry that they don't pause to allow the Holy Spirit to work within them because their focus, as mine was when I was a young Christian, was getting my ministry established, going out and finding my identity in ministry. That is such a trap to fall into so that years later, God had to show me and call me out of ministry to work in me the reality that my identity was not to be found in ministry, but my identity was to be found in my sonship. And so having started off and running at a pace, I had to retreat into that place where God could teach me these profound lessons. It's similar to the Apostle Paul. When he first started off in ministry, he was tearing up the place. So much so that so much persecution arose because of his ministry that finally the leadership in Jerusalem took him and took him down to Capernaum and put him on a ship and shipped him off to Tarsus, his home home city. And he was there 13 years doing nothing until Barnabas knocked on his door one day and said, there is a need for you in Antioch and brought him to Antioch. And so he says in Galatians 2, 15 years later, he came back to Jerusalem. 15 years, 13 years of inactivity. What was happening to him? Well, I want to take you back to Jesus. Jesus is the model that we have. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that when Jesus went with his parents to the temple when he was 12 years of age, he understood at that time who he was. He spent three days with the leadership in Jerusalem asking questions, the Bible says, and discussing with them. What was he discussing? Well, we, we read of such an interesting thing about Jesus when he comes to Nazareth for the first time. It says that he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. And so Jesus, from when he was little, every Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. Well, what happened in the synagogue? The scriptures would be read. The only scriptures that were available at that time would be the scrolls that were contained in the synagogues, handwritten scrolls that were placed in the synagogues. And so they would be unfurled and passages of scripture would be read. And then the rabbis would teach from those passages of scripture. And so Jesus had grown up in the synagogue, hearing the Old Testament being taught, the word of God being taught sabbath by sabbath and so when he comes to nazareth when he starts his ministry after the temptation in the wilderness he comes to nazareth and as was his custom he goes into the synagogue so if you take that he was 30 years of age and 52 sabbaths in the year that meant that he had been in the synagogue 1560 times by the time he had started his ministry <laughs> and even if he skipped a bit and of course the first few years even if he didn't understand it cut off 500 he's still a thousand times he was in the synagogue hearing the word of god read and explained in that something so what was happening to him well luke tells us that Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, the summation after he's brought back, after that whole encounter, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It was a growth period. It was a maturation period. I am so sad that in the modern Christian climate, people are pushed into ministry prematurely before they have learned to live the kingdom from the inside. The kingdom of God is within you. And if all we are concerned about is the externals, you know, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven comes not by observation. We're always looking for the outside confirmations, the outside indications, the outside signs and the outside happenings. And he's saying, no, 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 the kingdom of God is within you. It's something that happens within you internally. Now, many of us have heard Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And unfortunately, we've left it under the Sermon on the Mount instead of bringing it into the new covenant. And let me ask you this. What is the righteousness that we now have? Is it something that we have to seek? Or is it something that is given to us? We know that it is a gift. It is a gift of righteousness. Romans 5, 17, how much more? Shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? And there's the word that is at the root of the word kingdom. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You see, it's not until you have settled your belief in the central message of the gospel, which is simply this, that righteousness is no longer something that you achieve. Righteousness is not defined any longer by by right action or right living or right belief, right doctrine, right anything. Righteousness is a gift that you receive, and I want to submit to you that the kingdom is also a gift. Jesus said to his disciples, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. One of the translations says, your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is not something that I have to make happen. The kingdom is not something that I can extend. We used to talk about, we used to pray, I can remember prayer meetings, we were talking about extending the kingdom of God, praying that we would be have grace to, or whatever, to extend the kingdom of God. The only place that the kingdom of God needs to be extended is in your life, and from there you become salt and light in the world, okay? So, Jesus for 30 years, for 30 years was maturing, in his knowledge of the kingdom of the Father, in his knowledge of the truth of God's word. In fact, listen to this. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, we read this. So he himself was withdrawing into the wilderness and praying. The word withdrawing and praying is in the present tense in the Greek which means continuous action, which means this was a pattern of Jesus' life. Now, do you think it only started when he started his ministry? No, I believe absolutely that this was a pattern that started way back in through his teenage years that often he would draw aside. Now, listen to what this word prayer is in the Greek. Pros yuchamai the word yuchamai is to wish or to pray the the root word is to wish and so pros is to ward or in adjacent to conjunction with and so you've got a beautiful picture of jesus being with the father exchanging literally the word is to exchange wishes or exchange desires (laughs) oh prayer is not a monologue on your part to god Prayer is an interaction with God whereby you express your heart and he expresses his heart to you. The sad thing is that we have been, you know, we've learned to pray in streams of words that are monologues toward God. And there's no pausing to listen to what God might be saying in response to us. And Jesus' life of prayer was by no means just yuchamai. It was pros yuchemai. It was an interaction with the Father. It wasn't a monologue. He was with the Father to hear what the Father was saying. So I am submitting to you that this pattern began long before Jesus started his ministry, long before Luke 6 tells that he, our translations say, he often, withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Well, that's to express the the present tense, that he it was repetitive, continuous action. He continually withdrew into the wilderness and continually prayed. Why? Because Communion with the Father was such a precious thing to Him, was such a cherished thing, because it was in that interaction with the Father that He was able to see what the Father was doing in His kingdom, how the kingdom was functioning, and Jesus was receiving from the Father the authority. Now, one of the most profound passages that I'm going to visit again and again in this whole study that we're about to launch into is the whole story of Luke 7, verses 1 to 10. The centurion who comes to Jesus and asks him to heal his servant. Jesus says, "Okay, I'm coming. And the centurion says, look, I'm not worthy that you should come into my home. But he says, speak the word and my servant will be healed. For he says, I also am a man under authority. And I say to this one, go here. And he goes and another one do this and he does it. And Jesus responds with that, and he says, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And you say, what has faith got to do with the whole issue of of authority? And I want to tell you this, it has everything to do with it. I, I'm going to develop it over the next few months. It's got everything to do with authority. Understanding your authority comes from being under authority. And if the one who has given you authority authorizes you to do a certain action, you can have total confidence that whatever he authorized you to do will take place. How do you think Jesus had a 100% success rate in his ministry? It was because of those times that he spent with the father, discovering what the father was up to, hearing what the father was up to, receiving from the father his marching orders. You see, you, you get what I'm trying to say. The kingdom of God is lived from the inside. It's not this external performance. It's not this external display. It's not all the external actions. And we have seen and and we grieve over so many who launched into their ministry because of the anointing that was on them and because of the gifting that was on them before their character was established, before they were healed. You you can't get away from the fact that this whole section starts with Jesus teaching about forgiveness and then goes on to explain authority, because there's nothing that is going to trip you up that is going to undermine you more than unforgiveness in your heart if you have not dealt thoroughly with the wounding in your heart. And so when Jesus talks about authority, when he talks about cursing the fig tree, and he said you know you if you you can say to this mountain be removed and you shall not doubt in your heart but that you would, but you will believe that that thing which you say shall come to pass it shall be done for you and then he says but when you stand praying forgive if you have aught against any because unforgiveness is the thing that undermines you in functioning and living in a maturity of the kingdom of God within you that then gets expressed outside of you. You know, I've read Gordon Lindsay's books on the voice of healing, and so many of those mighty men in the last century who had such great anointing on their lives and others who weren't even part of the voice of healing that whole uh, movement of people who had such healing ministries, including William Branham and and so on, but their predecessors as well. And I've read Gordon Lindsay's biographies of those men, and so many of them had character issues, moral issues that undermined them. The kingdom of God was external. It, It was the works of the kingdom, but the work hadn't been done in them. Jesus only began his ministry when he was 30. What was he doing for 30 years? Well, he was going to the synagogue every Sabbath, which would be the only time when he could hear the, the word of God being read, the scrolls being read. And then, I believe, as a pattern of his life, he would steal away to the wilderness to go and commune with the Father. What a beautiful picture for 30 years. And many of you have heard me tell my whole encounter with the Lord through that passage in 1987, when God spoke to me and said, Jesus only began his ministry when he was 30. And I said, I know that. That's a, just a historic fact. And he says, I'm going to take a few years to teach you what that means. And in 1989, he showed me how Jesus' ministry, Jesus ministered not out of his anointing as a Messiah, but out of his identity as a son. He said in John five nineteen, the son can do nothing of himself. He didn't say the Messiah. The Messiah is anointed to do everything. He said the son can do nothing of himself. Only what he sees the father doing. The whole purpose of this message is to encourage you to recognize the importance. Some of you feel like God has forgotten where you are. You have all these prophetic words about ministry. You have all these promises about what God is going to do. And nothing seems to be happening. And I want to submit to you that the Probability is this that there is an operation of God's Spirit through God's Word working in you. The whole reality of His kingdom being something internal. The kingdom of God is within you. It comes not by observation, it's not by the signs and the wonders, it's not the external stuff that you can do. It's about the character that is being formed in you, it's about the truth of the Word being formed in you. In 1991, Bev and I had the wonderful privilege of going to Zimbabwe with a group from Restoration Church, Pastor Doug and Larry White, Dudley and Betsy Hall, Bev and myself, we went over to Zimbabwe to minister there. And Bev and I were assigned to go to Wange and we were assigned to work alongside a man named Simon Nkolo. Simon was an elderly man. And he had married late in life because he had been in prison. And he was thrown in prison because as a a Zimbabwean, well, at that time, Rhodesian black, he had had the audacity to write a letter to Queen Elizabeth and appeal to the queen for the way that the blacks were being treated in Rhodesia And of course, his letter was intercepted by the authorities and he was thrown into prison as a troublemaker. Whereas he said to me, all I wanted to do was appeal to Her Majesty the Queen to say, we are your subjects as well, but we are not being well treated here. And don't you think that you should intervene on behalf of us who are also your subjects in Rhodesia? And so he was thrown in prison for a period of time. And while he was in prison, somehow he got hold of a tract that had been sent by a preacher from South Africa. He read that tract, and through reading that tract, he became a believer. He wrote then a letter to the man whose address was stamped on the back of that tract. He wrote to him and asked him, please send me a Bible. So the man sent him a Bible. And Simon began to read the Bible. And as he read the Bible, he began to just come alive on the inside. And he wrote back to that man and said, am I to believe that everything that is written in this book is the truth? And so the man wrote back and he said, yes, it is the truth. And Simon was reading the Gospels. He was reading the book of Acts. He was reading the New Testament. And so Simon just began to believe the first thing that happened to him. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. Then he began to pray for the fellow prisoners for healing and for salvation. And a revival broke out in that prison. Simon then eventually was released from prison. And when Bev and I met him, he had planted 125 churches. (laughs) 125 churches. In Zimbabwe and Botswana. He had simply believed the word of God. While he was in prison, the word of God was working in him. The kingdom was being established in him. And Simon, what a precious man he was. He's since gone to be with the Lord. But what a precious man he was. And what a joy it was to travel with he and his wife, Bev and I. We we ate out of a communal bowl with them. We we slept in the same room with them. It it was Just an amazing privilege to travel with Simon and Kolo and see the way that the kingdom of God had been worked in him and so was being expressed through him in such powerful ways. I tell you what, a few more of us need our time in a figurative prison of isolation like Paul we need a time in Tarsus like Jesus we need those 30 years in the carpenter shop of learning how to go out into the wilderness and commune with the Father and learning how to sit in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and be read the word and just internalize the word that was being read. Do you get this picture? There's, those years were not wasted in the life of Jesus. There was a maturation of the message of the kingdom so that when he came out and said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's here it's here he had he had so imbibed the gospel the message of the kingdom and he knew that the father would back up the message of the kingdom with signs and wonders and so the signs and the wonders began now the first sign and wonder is not a deliverance it's not a healing it was the turning of the water into wine in Cana of Galilee, you say, well, that's a crazy way to start off your ministry. No, it isn't, because what he had learned from the Father in those years was the abundance of the promises of God and of the nature of God and all the grace and mercy that was in his character was revealed to Jesus so that Jesus could do nothing less than be full of grace and truth. The word became flesh, John says and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the only begotten of the Father. He had discovered the nature of the Father. God's seed was within him. And here's what I want to move on to. You were born again. First Peter chapter one, the last verse, says you were born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the living and abiding word of God, the living and abiding word of God. You were born again of the seed, just as Jesus was born with the father's seed in him. That seed was nourished through those 30 years of waiting for the commissioning, for the, the Holy Spirit to descend upon him at the Jordan. And that seed had to grow in him and mature in him and develop in him. And in the same way, you've been born of the same seed. And for that seed to grow and mature in you, I want to exhort you and encourage you not to become anxious in the times when it seems like God has forgotten you, when it seems like God is not doing anything, because He knows how to prepare you by that seed growing in you and maturing in you and bringing you to the place when the anointing that is upon you and and the commissioning that you have in your life launches you into what God has for you and it won't destroy you because you don't have the character to undergird the charisma that has been released upon you. But the character has been established and you have grown in humility to understand that what have you got that you haven't received? You've received it from him. And so that seed, the seed of God's word has to uh, mature within you. I want to just share this word. This is not in any way a condemnation to anyone, but I am very grateful to my sister Iris and even to my parents for inculcating in me a sort of an imperative to read the Bible. My sister Iris encouraged me and challenged me to read through the Bible, and I'm grateful to her for that. And she rewarded me when I read through the Bible. And so I established a routine of reading through the Bible. And In my early years, I would read through the Bible twice a year. I read the Bible in six different places. And like this morning, I read in three of those, those places and read a couple or one chapter in each place. And then tomorrow I'll read in three other places and so on. And so I work through the Bible. And man, the Word of God is so rich, so rich, so rich. And I just love the Word of God. I love the peace that it brings me, the joy that it brings me, the balance that it brings me. By reading the Bible through in and reading in six different places, I get an overall view of Revelation. I've done this now for years and years and years and years. Not every year do I read it through so consistently. There are times... Like I've shared before, where after 2001, the Lord told me for a few years just to read the Gospels for a number of years. And I did. I read them again and again and again and again, because I was looking for the picture of Daddy revealed in Jesus' ministry. Jesus had come to reveal the Father. And so I just studied the Gospels, read the Gospels through again and again and again. And I love the Gospels because of the unveiling of the Father in Jesus. Well, where did Jesus has learned that. Where did Jesus undergain the knowledge of the Father? It was in the 30 years. (laughs) 30 years of going to the synagogue every Sabbath as was his custom and then going out into the wilderness withdrawing present tense continuously. He continuously withdrew into the wilderness and he continuously communed face to face with, with the Father, exchanged wishes, exchanged prayers with the Father. Jesus <laughs> heard the Father express his wishes for his world through his son. Can you imagine those times of Jesus? Do you remember after the feeding of the 5,000? I mean, what an amazing time. And I was listening to a message of Joel Osteen yesterday that that a friend sent to us to listen to. It was such a blessing to them. And and Joel just referenced the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus didn't just create enough food to feed the 5,000. It was like the turning of the water into wine. He created 150 gallons of the best wine and the feeding of the 5,000, there were 12 basket full of leftovers. What was Jesus revealing about the father? He's the God El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He just doesn't meet your need according to your need. He meets your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I was sharing this with a, a, one of my spiritual sons who called yesterday. We were discussing Philippians 4:19. my God shall supply all your need according your need according to his riches in glory. I said to him, this is my illustration. I says, imagine if your grandfather is T. Boone Pickens, who has since passed away. But imagine your grandfather was the billionaire T. Boone Pickens. And you as a grandson went to your grandfather and said, Granddad, I need some money to go and buy a loaf of bread. And T. Boone Pickens, because he is T. Boone Pickens, doesn't have anything smaller than $100 in his in his wallet. (laughs) And so he gives to his grandson a hundred dollar bill to go and buy a loaf of bread. And he says to his grandson, keep the change. See, I want you to see this, that God has no small denominations in his wallet. It's according to his riches in glory. How rich is he in glory? He is abundantly, he is unimaginably rich. If he lavished the riches of glory on this creation of this earth, man, Have you spent any time examining creation lately and seen the lavishness that God bestowed upon his creation? Man, he is so rich in glory. My God shall supply all you need according to his riches in glory. And so, Jesus, in his 30 years of communing with the Father, discovered that the Father is El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He is. More than enough, he didn't just supply the need according to the need in Cana of Galilee nor in the feeding of the 5,000. There were 12 baskets left over. That is wasteful. (laughs) He could have just done enough to feed the 5,000 men besides the women and children, but there were 12 baskets left over. It is a sign of the Father's abundance. Oh, if you being able to know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit and give good gifts to those who ask him how much more? How much more? He's the God of how much more? And Jesus had discovered that in his 30 years of communing with the father, of of withdrawing into the wilderness and exchanging wishes with the father. What a glorious, beautiful picture. This is such a heart message for me. This is not a well-structured message. It's the burden of my heart that God has been burning in me for many of you. I want to encourage you that now is the season for you to be in the word. For you to discover the Father's nature. I was talking to one of my spiritual sons in England, and he gave me permission to, to share the story. When he was a kid growing up, he had a very strict father, and he was so used to his father not granting his wishes. But he had learnt that if he got his cousins to ask the father for something, the father would respond to the cousins And so the cousins would say to his father, would you take us to such and such a place? And the father would do it because the cousins requested it. He said, but if I requested of my father, he would say no. And he said, I had the same picture of God. And so for many years, I asked other people to pray for me because I believed that God would hear their prayers, but not my prayers. And he said, I've gone through this whole period now for over a year where he and his wife have been in a place of deprivation, but it has drawn them together. And every day they're in the word, every day they're praying and and in the presence of God. And this has not been wasted time. Although yesterday I felt like God said, it's time, it's time, it's time. Or the day before yesterday, it's time, it's time for you to start dressing for action. It's time for you to get up in the mornings and get ready to go because God is about to unleash all that he has promised you. But this time has not been wasted because now he said, I know that my daddy loves me. I know that he loves me. And God has been doing such amazing things of provision for him. And it has been such a sign to him of the father's love for him. He doesn't need to ask others to pray for him anymore because now he has discovered along with his wife, as they've spent this time just getting into the word and communing with the father, they've discovered, he's discovered that the father loves him. (laughs) Ah. And that's foundational. It's what I preached last month. You've got to know your position that you are a dearly loved son of the Father and that the Father loves you and will show you all things that He Himself is doing because otherwise you're going to be faced with a situation where you think, I don't know if it's God's will to heal or not. But if you know that you're a beloved son and you know that when He puts the prompting in your heart, And listen, I'm going to teach this in the coming days. Compassion. If you have a release of compassion in your heart, that's a trigger for the anointing. Compassion comes from the Father, and it's the trigger for the anointing. And so the trigger is going to release the anointing, and the miracle will happen. But you've got to know that you're loved by the Father. That you're dearly loved. And so for some of you, you've been sidelined. And, and I was sidelined in ministry. God called me out of ministry in 1989. And that, that was the primary lesson he had to teach me in 1989. That my identity was not found in ministry, but my identity was in sonship. And the importance of that was this, that the Father only wanted me to go where he sends me and only to do what he tells me to do, not to go everywhere where I'm invited and every door that is opened. That not necessarily is the Father's will for me to go through those doors. I need to be able to hear the Father's voice so that I go where he sends me to go and I do what he tells. Tells me to do. Okay, let's use Jesus as an illustration. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Capernaum and he casts out the demon and then he goes to Simon Peter's home and P- Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick and he re- touches her, rebukes the fever and raises her up and she serves them food. And then it says that evening when the sun was set, the whole city was gathered to him. And the Bible says that he healed them all and he cast out many demons and so on. And then early the next morning, the disciples wake up and there is a commotion outside Simon Peter's home. The whole city, not just the whole city, the whole area has gathered outside because they've heard what happened in the synagogue. They've heard of what happened at sunset when all the people and it was at sunset because they weren't allowed to travel on the Sabbath day. But can you imagine the gossip that went around? So at sunset, they're able to travel again and they, the whole city gathers outside Simon Peter's home. By the next morning, the whole countryside is there and Jesus is missing. And so they find him and he's withdrawn into the wilderness to pray with to the Father, and they begged him to come back into the city. Now I want you to just imagine, if it was you, if it was me, and I have just the previous evening at supper time healed every sick person in a city. He cast out demons out of every demonized person in a city. It's the next morning, and the whole area, the whole countryside, has gathered. To hear me, I would think revival had come. I would be so excited. I would go back, and I would just set up tent, and I would stay there and say, "We're having a move of God. We're not moving from here." But Jesus goes, and He spends time with the Father, and they said, "Come," because everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said, "Let us go." into the next village also, for that is why I have been sent. He did not go back into Capernaum. He said, I'm going on to the next village. And you say, that's stupidity. God's opened an amazing door. Look at the opportunity. You see, if you don't have that place of the kingdom of God within you, have this thing on the inside where you're established in your sonship and your relationship and your communion with the father. You'll be tempted to be seduced by the external things to believe that, ah, this is God's will. This is the kingdom of God. This is where we need to stay. This is where we need to function. This is it. This is God. And meanwhile, God was saying to Jesus, no, son, Move on to the next village. That's why I sent you. And Jesus, because of his communion with the Father, was able to leave a prepared place of amazing ministry and go to the next village because he had had a course correction from the Father. Do you see what I'm trying to communicate to you? If you are going to function. In the authority of the Father, you are going to need to understand this fundamental thing. Let's go back to the story of the centurion. What did he say to Jesus that Jesus recognized as the greatest faith that he had ever encountered? He had never seen faith like this, no, not in Israel. That centurion recognized one thing about Jesus. The reason Jesus could simply speak A word and it would happen was because he recognized that Jesus was under a higher authority than himself. See, the centurion knew that role. He was over a hundred soldiers, but when he barked an order to those hundred soldiers, they responded, yes sir. They stood to attention. They did what he told them to Was it because of his personal prowess? What was it because of his personal strength? No, a hundred men could have easily overwhelmed him. It wasn't about his personal strength at all. It was about the fact that he had the authority of Caesar and all of the Roman Empire behind him because he was under authority He had authority. I can remember when I was in the Air Force uh, back in 1965. The corporal that was over us was not a nice character whatsoever. He was this thin, skinny little guy, but because he had given authority, we had to obey him. He didn't deserve respect for who he was as a person, but he was respected because of the authority that he carried, because behind him was the squadron sergeant, and behind the squadron sergeant was the sergeant major, and behind the sergeant major was the camp commandant. And so There was a string of authority. And so that young corporal who could barely shave, we respected his rank. We respected his office, although we didn't respect him as a person. But he represented all the authority that was above him. And so when he barked out an instruction, we obeyed him even it was if it was extremely grudgingly because of his character and because of his person jesus was under the father's authority and the centurion recognized that you are under authority and therefore whenever you speak a word because you have a high authority i know it will be done and that is the key to understanding your effectiveness in the kingdom this whole idea of the kingdom of God being within you, it is coming to the place of recognizing that the kingdom of God is established within you and you are under the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ internally. And because you are under His authority and because you are in submission to Him and to His way, you can have absolute confidence that when you speak the word, it will be done. The first thing that you're going to need to settle internally is this whole issue of righteousness. Because if you don't understand that, the enemy is going to be able to accuse you in places where you have shame or you know that your your life is not yet what you would desire it to be. You know, I tell the story in my book about confronting a young man who, who was demonized and and I was trying to take authority over the demons and then this young man pointed at me and I was very conscious that I was overweight at that time and he pointed at my belly and said jelly belly, jelly belly twice and I just was overwhelmed with shame because I felt condemnation. You see, I was not yet established in righteousness. Go to Romans chapter 10, where Paul expresses his desire for Israel that they might be saved. And he said, because I bear them record that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge for they being ignorant of the righteousness of God and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. If you are still internally going about to establish your own righteousness, if you're having your quiet time in order to show God how devoted and dedicated you are, you don't understand The basis of your acceptance before God, that your righteousness is a gift, that the kingdom is a free gift to you. You're going to have to submit yourself to the righteousness of God and humble yourself. That's what it is. The word is to bring yourself under the authority of the righteousness of God. It is submitting to humbling yourself under God's way of righteousness. It is not puffing yourself up and saying, I can do this. I can do this. Remember Peter at the gate beautiful. He said, why do you look at us as though by our own power or godliness, this man stands before you well. Be it known unto you that through the name of Jesus of Nazareth and through faith in his name, this man stands before you well. Peter understood authority. He understood that it didn't come from his personal performance. He had failed miserably in his personal performance. He had denied Jesus three times. But Jesus had said to him, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And the first message that Peter preached was to draw attention away from himself. It's not my personal power. It's not my personal prowess. It's not my personal purity. That's got anything to do with this. It's got everything to do with the fact that I understand the authority. I spent three years with Jesus. He called us as disciples to Himself. He modeled the Father's nature. He modeled the Father's works before us, and then He sent us out to do the works of the Father and to Preach the good news of the kingdom. And so we went out and we preached the good news of the kingdom. And we saw demons subject to us. We saw people healed. We came back to Jesus and we were so excited with what we had seen. And we reported back to Jesus. And Jesus said his response was let's get aside to a quiet place and rest a while. Let's just go aside with the Father. It's time for us to chill you see it's so easy when you're full of the success of ministry to just keep going at it at a pace and let's go man let's go and change the world let's and jesus said come let's go aside to a quiet place and rest a while jesus that's so counterintuitive surely now you want to send them out again so go and do more guys go and do more go and do more no jesus said it's Time we get away and rest. (laughs) I'm telling you, God's way of the kingdom is not man's way. I hope you can hear my heart in what I'm sharing with you this month. It is so important that you recognize that the kingdom of God comes not by observation don't run hither and yon don't go here don't go there when people say the kingdom of God is there it's within you and until you've settled the internal nature of the kingdom you'll always feel a de- deficit you'll always feel like there's something missing and so you'll run to where this latest move of God is you'll to try and get an impartation you'll run to this new anointed servant of the Lord to try and get it to lay hands on you and give you a prophetic word and so on. And all the time, the kingdom of God is within you. God is within you. His throne is within you. How much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? The kingdom has to start within, through receiving the gift of righteousness, through receiving His grace within to understanding His grace, allowing His grace to heal you, forgiving if you've got anything against anyone, forgiving, letting go of the stuff of the past, forgiving, forgiving, just letting it go. There's so much... That Jesus teaches about forgiveness in relationship right smack dab adjacent to teaching about authority. He talks about forgiveness. Why, Jesus? Because there's nothing that will undermine you receiving God's grace than if you're refusing to give grace to others. And so I'm appealing to you. Let God do the work within you. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And I'm telling you, some of you need to forgive God. Some of you need to forgive God. Because I just know that I'm speaking to some of you that feel like God has forgotten my address. God has forgotten where I'm at. God has given me all these promises and none of them seem to be working. And you've become disillusioned. You've become disappointed in God because where is he? Where is the fulfillment of the promises? Where is the ministry that he's promised you? And you've just been chafing under this whole thing of the the season of waiting where it seems like God has forgotten his promises and God has forgotten your address and God has forgotten. And I want you to see that the kingdom of God is working within you. He's establishing character. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The trials that you've gone through have been the trial of your faith is producing patience and allow patience to have its perfect work. Today, as you're listening to this, my prayer for you is that where you have chafed, because God doesn't seem to be fulfilling His word, you will just come to the place of submission. Just submitting and saying, God, I submit to your authority within me. Recognize this, that if it was time for you to be launched, not all the demons of hell would be able to stop you. Not all the powerful men in this world would be able to stop you. He's disarmed principalities and powers. So if things aren't happening yet, it's because it's not yet the Father's timing. You're still in your 30 years for Jesus or your 13 years for Paul or whatever season of others have experienced of waiting for the launching of the Father into their ministries. Do you think that Jesus would have been able to withstand the temptation in the wilderness? Listen, after 40 days and 40 nights of being without food and without water, He was hallucinating. When he saw those pictures, they were appearing real to him. Stones being turned into bread of throwing himself down off the temple and all the angels coming to scoop him up and then showing him all the kingdoms of the earth. He was seeing those pictures in, I believe, in a hallucinatory state. But how did he respond to those temptations? It is written. Where did he learn that? (laughs) He didn't have a Bible he was in the synagogue every Sabbath. He was hearing the word of God. It is written. It is written. 1,560 times he had been into the synagogue in his 30 years. (laughs) Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And this is beyond just the reading of the bible but i'm exhorting you to get into reading the book that god has left us it's such a rich treasure but understand that god is not limited to just the, what is written on those pages he wants to commune with you when paul wrote to the colossians and said let the word of christ dwell in you richly colossians 3:16 they didn't have the new testament they didn't have the Gospels. What was the word of Christ to them? It was the rhema word that the Holy Spirit brought to them. So recognize it's not simply reading the Bible, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you truth. But at the same time, it's so important. I'm exhorting you. Get into the word. Get into the into the Bible. Read the word. Develop this communion style with the Father. withdraw to be alone with the father my times are when I just get alone with the Lord and drive. Special times where he and I are alone. On my tricycle, I've got a 3 wheel tricycle that I go out, and man, has God spoken to me when I'm out on my trike. I get out every time the temperature gets above 40 degrees. I'm out riding. <laughs> Under 40 degrees, it's a little chilly, but I've, I've been out when it's 36 and 38, but I come back frozen. I've got to get into a hot bath to unthaw. But uh, I love getting out and riding because I commune with the Father. I talk to Him, and He talks to me. As many of you know, when the times when I drove trucks, that was the whole purpose of that. God wouldn't let me listen to cassette tapes at that time for the longest period because He wanted to develop this re- conversational relationship with me where we exchanged wishes. I love that word, pros yuchamai to exchange wishes where I would tell him what I wished for and he would tell me what he wished for. What a beautiful picture of prayer. That's where Jesus would continually withdraw and continually exchange wishes with the Father. Father, I pray for everyone hearing this message. And Lord, for those who have been so busy in service in quotes for you that they've neglected the times of just withdrawing and communing with you lord i'm asking you for that but at the same time understanding that we can do that even in the midst of being busy It's not that we have to withdraw to a quiet place. So I I don't want to put condemnation on anyone. But at the same time, Lord, I know that you want to have this relationship of communion with your people. You want to be able to bring them under your authority. Because in coming under your authority, we've got to know your nature. We've got to know your character. Because when we're confronted with situations, we've got to know this is what daddy would do. I know him. This is how he would express himself in this situation because I know him. Lord, we we thank you that we can know you by the Holy Spirit within. Thank you that you've left us a book called the Bible. Thank you that we can hear your voice in that book. And we can know you and how you think and how you work and how you function. Because not only did you leave us the book, but you sent us the living word, Jesus, who modeled before us how you think and how you act, how you feel about people, how you feel about sickness, how you feel about disease, how you feel about people who are oppressed of the devil. Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus knew what the father felt, knew the father's nature and therefore could express the father's authority and the centurion recognized it and Jesus could say, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Lord, work this in us. The kingdom of God is within you. How much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? The kingdom of God will be established in them. Lord, for any who are still wavering and vacillating about the kingdom and still thinking that they need to do things to to impress you, they need to do right to be righteous with you. Would you bring them to that place of settledness? That they are in right standing with you, not because they do right, not because of anything that they do, but because they have received the gift of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can live the kingdom from the inside. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is the conclusion of this message. You've been listening to the ministry of John and Beverly Sheesby. For more information on this and other available teachings, please visit our website at www.liberatedliving.com. God bless you, and thank you for listening.